And joining me now, as he always does on Thursdays, is Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature for our pro football scope. Barry, uh, there is so much to talk about, but first I want to give an update regarding DeMar Hamlin, just uh, for people if they're just tuning in, um, that he is significantly improved over the last 24 hours. He's been communicating uh, by writing. One of the first things he actually uh, asked was, uh, did the team win? Uh, and, and doctors responded by, you won. Uh, you won life, uh, DeMar. And obviously a very touching moment there. And he's been able to squeeze his family members' hands. Obviously very good news, Barry, regarding DeMar Hamlin. Um, just It seems like it's been longer than just a few days now since his cardiac arrest during Monday Night Football. Yeah, it does, doesn't it, Drew? And and while Hamlin is still critically ill, he seems to have demonstrated that he appears to be uh, neurologically intact. According to his doctor, the physicians that are caring for him at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, which is one of the, the best facilities in the United States, his lungs continue to heal and he's making steady progress. Yeah, obviously the best news that you know, we could have had, I think, from the situation is just a few days later, knowing that he's neurologically intact, as you said, and, and improving every uh, single day. Obviously, good, good, uh, not, not necessarily closure, but, but, but it's good clarity for the Bills going into a weekend where they're going to have to play. Now, I, I don't know if there was as much uh, question in regards to if these games are going to be played this weekend, Barry, as much as now the conversation has sparked up regarding playoff seeding. Of course, the Bills were the two seed, the Bengals were the three seed. I just played a clip, and I had mentioned, I think, when you were on hold, that according to Vic Carucci, who covers the Bills in depth, if it's declared a no contest, the Bills would then forfeit, and the Bengals would get a win, then clinching the division and also getting that two-seeded spot ahead of the Buffalo Bills. Is that what you're hearing, or is there anything else? Uh, there was an idea floated that I saw. could be eight teams in each conference uh, for the playoffs. Is there anything in particular that you're hearing in one direction or another? Yeah, there's some talk of some really interesting solutions that will lead to a lot of head-scratching, believe it or not. Some of the things getting tossed around by the national media feel like solutions in, in search of a problem. Uh, Adam Schefter said that um, that there could be a neutral site AFC title game. I, I guess and I saw that one, too. The way that, would, the way that would work is whoever is awarded the number one seed, Now we're talking about AFC only. We're not talking about a NFC at all. But whoever's awarded the number one seed would get a choice of either having a bye week or home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Then the number two seed would get the opposite. Now, if you're going to have a neutral site title game in the AFC championship game, I would definitely pick the bye week. Uh, and that way you've got no chance of losing in the first round. You would have a, a home game uh, at some point. Um, and then, of course, the title game would be neutral site. That was one um, scenario. Um, I heard somebody else say that they were looking at having a coin flip, which is exactly a, a very stupid idea. And then a, <laughs> somebody else, uh, I think on uh, Colin uh, Cowherd today, said that they should allow an, an additional team in each conference to make the playoffs and have eight teams, and that way there's no buy team at all, and that would solve the problem. Um, they really haven't talked about it specifically what's going to happen. They're just brainstorming stuff right now. Um, 
and they waited till DeMar showed improvement before they even started talking about this game. Now, the game itself is is 95% likely to be considered a tie or just wiped from the, the books like it didn't even happen. But sure. let me tell you, Drew, no matter what, one of these, one or two of these teams are going to get screwed. Yeah, yeah, it really seems. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. To, to be honest with you, I, I really think that in in the end, I, I obviously home field advantage is a big deal. The Bengals went all but one game on the road last year and made it to the yeah. Super Bowl. So there, there's an argument against against home field being that crucial where. If both teams are like, look, we're not going to play the game. It shouldn't have been played because we were waiting on Demar Hamlin's health, and it doesn't need to be played, and just and it doesn't matter where where we're seated at. We're going to go on. We're going to be ready to go. I think that's one way to look at it. The, the to me, the best solution actually may be in order to not tick people off. Is you add that eighth team. If anything, you're being more gener- more than generous. I think in a way, but 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 also you're giving a possibility where with the National Football League, we've seen it this year too, whoever the one seed is, I, I don't care who it is, whether it be Philadelphia and the NFC, the Cowboys in the NFC, uh, the Niners, the, the the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, it doesn't matter. I don't know how I would feel knowing that I don't get a bye and have to play a team where you never know what can happen in a game. We've seen games, the, the, the Houston yep. Texans, for goodness sakes, have competed well and almost beat the Dallas Cowboys who have a roster that is loaded enough to make a run at the Super Bowl. So it's not like this is Georgia facing Toledo in a college football playoff game. I mean, this is the NFL where the gap is very, very much narrowed compared to college football. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other scenario they were talking about is there's a two-week window between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl. And they were talking about using that middle weekend, which is now is the Pro Bowl. It's also the Senior Bowl over in Mobile. But they were talking about scrunching that together, where that would only be one. Would that would give them a week that would come up now? Well, what would they do with that week? They were talking about all the NFC games happening next weekend, and the only game that would be played in the AFC would be the continuation of the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Well, what you're doing there is, um, you know, the game, both teams are already in the playoffs. So it's not like they have to play the, the, the game to find out who's in the playoffs. What's at stake is the seeding process, one, two, and three. So if they didn't play the game, um, what, are we, what are we looking at? There are yeah. three teams uh, vying for the bye. So if, but if you did it that way, you'd be giving every other team in the playoffs a bye, and whoever had the number one seed would actually have two weeks off instead mm-hmm. of, or three weeks off instead of uh, two weeks out. I mean, that seems like a, a moot situation. In fact, Cincinnati and Buffalo, if they did that, would be the only teams without a bye at all, even if one of these becomes the actual number one seed. And with this rationale, the NFL would, would will permanently suspend the game. Both franchises will end up with 16 games. The seeding will go with whatever it is, and the playoff schedule will continue as scheduled. That's my guess. Does a tie, if they, if they called it a tie, do, does it even matter? Because both teams are 
or I'd say I I don't know if that impacts the division for for the Bengals at all. Um, if they were to lose to Baltimore, for example, but they got the tie awarded from Buffalo, d- does that matter? Because going into this week, I mean, the Bill, the Bengals could say, "Look, we're not not even going to play Joe or anybody because we know we won the division." Yeah, it's a tough situation, and no matter what happens, Drew, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to sure. be fair to several teams because. Look at it this way. Look at the games this weekend. Kansas City plays the Raiders. Well, we know, uh, and more than likely, Kansas City's going to win. That would put them at 14 wins and a better win percentage. Um, the only way that Cincinnati could have gotten the number one seed is beating Buffalo Monday night, beating uh, Baltimore mm-hmm. this upcoming weekend, and Buffalo to lose uh, a second game and Kansas City to lose a second game. I think in the end, who's going to who's going to be on the short end of the stick is going to be both Buffalo and Cincinnati. Now it's not just the number one seed at stake; it's the number two seed. Yeah, because if point. you're the number two seed, you have all home games until you play the number one team. And if the number one team gets beat in the playoffs, you've got all home games all the way through the the playoffs. So. You know, a lot's at stake, but I think in the end, somebody's going to not be happy. And I think who's going to be the have the huge advantage of this is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, there's a little bit of irony in this. So let's say, for example, the Bills get the two seed, the Bengals get the three, and that, and that's how it is. Currently, it would yep. be the Bengals against the Ravens and the Bills against the Patriots. So it, it would be two divisional games to open up the playoffs. I don't know how either team would feel about that either. But I find that a little bit ironic given the situation this weekend. And Pittsburgh still has got a chance to to be in, in the uh, thick of things for the seventh seed. Um, Jacksonville, of course, is their big game against Tennessee this weekend to determine who will win the AFC South. And then in the NFC, an obviously very interesting uh, schedule. I, I find it – I don't know if you'd rather be in this situation. I'll ask you, Barry, and then we'll jump on to some other things here. Um Lions-Packers are outside of the seventh seed in the NFC. It's currently Seattle. The Lions need a win and a Seattle loss to get in. Seattle needs a win and a Lions win to get in. The Packers, all they got to do is win. Would you rather be in the Lions or Packers seat where you're playing the final game of the regular season where you know what you got to do in order to get in, or would you rather be Seattle and try to win and then set the tone to put the pressure on... uh, the Packers really to, to beat the Lions to get in? Because if Seattle wins, then the Lions are eliminated no matter what. Well, if, if you're the top situation on that, that's obviously the best place to be because all you have to do is win and you're in. If you're relying on other people to do other things, then you've got to have all these dominoes fall your way and in a certain order. Um, a lot of that has to do with the tiebreakers, which first is head-to-head. And if they haven't played each other, next would be conference records. And conference records are, are huge. If you've got a, you know, a, a, a negative in the conference record, everybody's going to trump you once these, once these uh, tiebreakers come in. Seattle's got the best edge on that. Uh, it, a few years ago, I remember the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were standing on the field and watching the jumbo trying to see who was going to win a game. And um, the other team won, and then you look – the camera showed all these players like, oh crap! Now what are we going to do? Yeah, you know, it, it, they they didn't control anything. All they could control was the remote. 
Yeah, yeah, and that obviously is a very tough spot to be in, which is what the Lions are technically going to be in. Now, Dan Campbell says, look, we're going to go win the game or to try to win the game regardless of our situation in the playoffs, which is which is what you want to hear. But also knowing that you're eliminated, it is it it it, it lowers your level of uh, energy, I think, a little bit at least for a Sunday night football game. But but the Lions have looked really good. The Packers, on the other hand, are are looking great as well, having won four games in a row. Aaron Rodgers said that his, he's still undecided on his NFL future or future with the team, essentially, as well. I I, I find that interesting because he's got the contract. He could retire. Uh, Jordan Love could ask for a trade. So it sounds like the Packers are going to have quite an interesting offseason, whether it starts uh, after this weekend or whether it is a little bit or whether it starts a little bit later on. Yeah, and if you look at a lot of guys, a lot of players that are about to retire, the number one thing that they say is that it's going to give me more time at home with my family. All the things that I have missed, all of, all the situation with having a football wife, all of them have said it gives me, if I retire, it gives me more time with my family. Rogers doesn't have a family. All he's got yeah. is a dog and a, and, a, <laughs> and a house that's got like 17, you know, bathrooms in it. So this is what he does um, because, you know, he doesn't know what the future holds. And when you think about it, him playing and him playing for just one team, it's got to be nothing but gratitude. I mean, he can't have any remorse or, or sadness because he's played for so long. Right, right, right. And I, and I, we don't see it too. I mean, obviously, you know, we we, we see it all the time. Uh, Tom Brady didn't even stay with one team. Uh, Joe Montana didn't. Uh, you look at some of the other great quarterbacks; they 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 haven't. So, um, wouldn't be too surprising to see Aaron Rodgers some somewhere else. But I've also seen him in different colors than the green and and yellow would also be very uh, very different. Devontae Adams, obviously, in different colors this year with the black and silver of the the Raiders. He he said he's still going to be with the team, still want, wants to be a Raider, but that he wants to be in the loop about all the decision-making regarding the quarterback. Obviously, the rumor out there that Tom Brady could be a Raider, but is it interesting that we've seen that we've seen over the last couple of years like players demanding a little bit more, I think? Uh, players trying to ha- ha- at least be kept in the loop of things or trying to be, hel- uh, trying to be a part of the decision-making? It's interesting given we haven't really seen these things in the National Football League compared to other sports like basketball in particular? I can remember a time in the, in the late 1990s when there was a rift between uh, Denver Broncos head coach Dan Reeves and quarterback John Elway, and they butted heads about the system and about the amount of throwing that was going on, the amount of uh, running that was going on. And it ended up being that owner Pat Bowen had to make a choice between the coach and the player, well, you're not going to fire John Elway. And so Dan right. Reeves was, was shown the door, and he became head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and then, then later head coach of the New York football Giants. So it has definitely happened before. But the, th- the weird thing about Adams, he hasn't been there but one season. Right. Why do, you think that he, why do you think he's got a seat at the conference table? I just don't understand his attitude about that. Uh, you know, and – He's definitely in favor of his quarterback. Uh, he sent an Instagram that uh, I'll give you a quote. This man gave everything he had. So there's a reason that he's a Raider. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he left Green Bay. 
Um, I think he's one of the most disciplined and, and, and caring people that that people in the NFL know. And um, I just don't understand why he thinks that, that he's got it. Now, if you said that about Aaron Rodgers with Drew Brees, with, with, with Nolans, and, and um, Tom Brady with Tampa Bay and with New England, I could see that. I could see that they would have a reason to say no, we need offensive tackle. No, we don't need another linebacker. We need, you know, a receiver, or a good tight end, and just things to go about. But to be there one one season and be on the board of directors. Yeah, I, I it's interesting, especially too, because he's a wide receiver. It's not like he he's a quarterback. I think it's a good point. Uh, you know, because based on the position, uh, that 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 is something that uh, turns some more heads if you're the quarterback as opposed to. Uh, wide receiver. While Devontae Adams is, is a superstar, uh, he is a wide receiver and not a quarterback. Um, Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature joining the Sports Drive. Now, final thing I'm going to ask you about, Barry, is Sean Payton and the 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 uh, report that he basically is building his coaching staff already. Uh, Vic Fangio would be his DC wherever he goes, and, and reportedly uh, he's interested in, I think it was Arizona, uh, Denver, and then the L.A. Chargers was another place. Uh, I don't know if the Chargers are going to get rid of Brandon Staley. May- maybe if they lose the playoff game they play in, they might get rid of him, given how he's underachieved a little bit here. Um, but if you're Sean Payton, I mean, is is there any place that makes total and complete sense? If you're one of the owners in the league and you hear your team getting floated around with Sean Payton, I mean, are, are you almost on the edge of your seat, re- ready to jump and and make Sean Payton your new head coach here? Yeah, after the Browns got beat by the Cincinnati Bengals the second time, and you could tell that they were mat- almost mathematically out. I think they were like 0.04% still in. I wrote an article about um, eight possible head coaching replacements, and I did offensive, four offensive and four defense, and Sean Payton, of course, was on the offensive. And there's no reason why uh, he can't be considered for that. Now, will he come to Cleveland? Who knows? Would he want to come to Cleveland? I think what Sean Payton would do and that is that he would look if he gets offers and he gets interview offers, and um, I think he would have to look at a, a roster first. Let's say that he gets offered three different teams, and he would have to look at a roster and say, you know, I think I can build on this because he's an offensive guy. Um, but that, according to um, – Adam Schefter, he's building an all-star coaching staff, and everybody expects him to return for the 2023 season. It's just a matter of where. I don't think he'll end up in Carolina. Denver's a good possibility. Um, who knows what Cleveland will do? Cleveland may fire their coach. They may keep their coach. Um, look at Houston. Houston may may fire their Lovey Smith right there. But if I was Sean Payton, and I would think that this is what he's going to look for, is what roster looks to have the most talent and let's because the money I think is probably going to be about the same no matter where he goes mm-hmm. uh, I don't think climate's going to be a reason even because he's been an offensive coordinator or an offensive assistant with the New York football giants well that's cold then he was mm-hmm. at Dallas well that had an indoor stadium but it still gets cold then he was with Nolens all those years so it's not a a climate concern concern or situation I think it's just who has the best roster, and let me go there. 
Yeah, certainly an, an interesting dilemma there. I mean, who knows that the Saints could try to lure him back. I don't know if he'd be interested in that either, but Dennis Allen uh, is certainly underachieving with how good of a roster the Saints have and not making the playoffs at all. Uh, Barry, uh, shuck of dogs by nature, a pleasure as always. Do you have an idiom for us today? I do. I am going to give you um, the 12th man. Okay. So this is where the 12th man came from. This is what the Seattle Seahawks and Texas A&M University call their fan base. Now, this term originated in a January 1922 football game with Texas A&M against Center College at the Cotton Bowl. And the head coach of uh, A&M, his roster was depleted because a lot of his players had left the team to go to the college basketball team. So when they played center, they only had 11 healthy players in the second half. Well, Bible saw a former roster player who was now on the basketball team. He saw him in the stands and, and sent a message up there and said, Hey, would you come down and be, you know, go into the game if we need you? And he said, yes. His name was uh, Initial E. King Gill. So he suited up and stood on the sidelines in case he was needed for the entire second half of that game. Well, Gill was not used, but the legend of the 12th man began in the game with the fan base that was always there. Um, A&M won 22-14. Now, in 1989, A&M trademarked that moniker, uh, so they own the trademark 12th man. Now, the Seattle Seahawks pay an annual fee for their usage. Every three years, that fee goes up, and that's how they uh, do things at their university. Now, Seattle is the only NFL team to retire a jersey just for their fans, and that's number 12. Now, another thing that came out of this is because King Gill stood on the sidelines in case he was needed, the rest of the second half, all the people in the stands at A&M, they stood. That's where the tradition, if you go to a college game, everybody stands all the time. The first time I went to a college game, I went, why is everybody standing? Here we have paid for a seat. <laughs> That's where the tradition started was you stand for your team, and it started with this this game. Very, very interesting. Going back uh, to Center College uh, of all schools playing against Texas A&M. Barry, uh, appreciate the idioms, appreciate your time. As always, you have a good one. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll catch up again next week. And remember, Monday is Black Monday. <laughs>